We use the term gospel, and that's the term that's really been used since the beginning of Christianity to describe what it is that has happened. And the word gospel simply translates to good news. And so this phrase, good news, was uh, even an ancient phrase. And it is simply this very, very good news. And we imagine it as, as, as maybe in the ancient world, as messengers sending news that the king has just conquered this particular land and now um, our soldiers are returning. We've, we've um, taken out this existential threat to our kingdom. And Christianity, St. Paul and the, some of the early church used this phrase, the gospel, to talk about what happened and the crazy events that we're leading up to in this Advent season. And so what the gospel is, kind of in its essence, and there's different articulations of this, but essentially what the good news is, what the gospel is for us, why it's good news, is that God became a human being. The God of the universe became a human being. And he took on our own human weakness. And he did this to save us from hell and to open the gates of heaven for all human beings from this point moving forward who are open to accepting him and following him. So that's the good news. The good news is that God has set us free from death, physical death, spiritual death, which is hell, and also he's elevated our dignity to this new place where we can actually be friends with God, which is an absolutely foreign concept to those outside of a Christian framework. And it, didn't, it wouldn't have really been understood very well prior to the dawn of Christianity. We're, we're so used to it, we, we just kind of talk about it um, and maybe even take it for granted. Yes, Jesus is my friend. And, and he is. I no longer call you slaves or servants, but I call you friends. But this is an incredible dignity that God has raised us to. Now, this good news, interestingly enough, is not actually good news to everybody. So this is one of the very interesting things about Jesus and that we read about in the four Gospels and in the rest of the New Testament as well, is Jesus coming and becoming our Savior, God becoming our Savior and initiating this great rescue mission for humanity who had fallen and our free choice had moved towards hell and self-destruction. This is not actually good news for everybody. 
at least from a lot of people's point of view, they don't receive it as good news. We think about the people that hated Jesus, absolutely hated him during his time on earth. We hear of many Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, different religious authorities, and people in power who despised Jesus and were, were trying to kill him as quickly as possible. They did not appreciate this as good news. And perhaps a really good image of someone who did not receive this as good news is this evil figure, Herod the Great. He's kind of the evil figure of Christmas time. Herod the Great is famous, even outside of the scriptures, in the ancient world. He was a man who really climbed his way to the top. And he was even really good friends with, uh, he was one of the most powerful people in the Roman Empire. He was subordinate, of course, to Caesar Augustus, but he was very good friends with Caesar Augustus. And Herod himself did not receive the coming of the Messiah as good news. He saw it as an infringement of his own ego, and he had all of this power, wealth, honor, and he saw someone else coming into that little kingdom that he had created and that he was the head of as very, very bad news. Caesar Augustus famously said about Herod the Great, I'd rather be one of Herod's pigs than his sons. And the reason he said that is because Herod actually murdered three of his own sons. One of his wives as well. He had many wives. Out of paranoia. So Herod had his whole universe under his control, where he was the one in the driver's seat, controlling every last bit of his own existence, which, of course, is an illusion. No one's really in control of reality other than God. But Herod had this illusion. He had put together this kingdom, he had gained all this power, this wealth, he had every, every possible entertainment, every single pleasure, comfort that could be humanly possible at that time. He was the god of his own little universe for a short period of time. And anyone who came as a threat to that universe where he, Herod, was king, he wanted to get rid of. And that's why he killed all of those children who were under the age of two because of the prophecies of the Messiah, the new king of the Jews who was to come, which was Jesus. I think the trap for us as moderns can be the very wealth and false sense of control that Herod the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes 
themselves were tempted with and, and fell into. This illusion that we ourselves are self-sufficient, which creates a, a, a perpetual mentality of self-reliance. And so this is an illusion because of all the wealth that we have as moderns in the West. It's also, I think, perhaps the main reason that we are not religious people anymore in the West. We can't receive Christ and we can't receive the truth of a Savior because we don't feel we actually need a Savior. We already have everything that we feel we need. And so now, as modern people, if, if, if you kind of consider our situation as compared to maybe even the people during the time of Jesus, we live better than Herod himself would have lived, or even Caesar. Right? We can pull up our laptops and get any kind of entertainment that we want just by typing something in. Right? A greater, we don't have to we don't have to have wealth and go to a theater and have this presentation of inter- we just get entertainment at any moment. We can get the richest food that was not even possibly thought of in the ancient world. I can wake up and get a dozen donuts for myself within probably 10 miles. And I do that sometimes, unfortunately. Deep fried fat. My point here being, there's no foods that even kings ate that we are capable of just going to a drive-thru and getting very quickly now, or even just pulling up our phone and ordering it and having somebody deliver it to us. Our standard of living is incredibly high. The comforts that we have on a daily basis, all these things, my point here being, can kind of trick us into this place of, I am self-sufficient, I don't need anything, I don't need a savior, and it can disconnect us with, our, with the reality which is our own human frailty and weakness, and actually our incapacity to save ourselves. So we contrast this mentality with the mentality of John in our Gospel. John, of course, is someone who is very much acquainted with his own limitations and his own weaknesses. And if anyone receives Jesus and the good news as good news, it's John the Baptist. John dwells in the desert. And it's very possible, we think, that John was actually raised up in the desert, in a desert community that went by the name of the Essenes. And John, in the desert, is capable of cultivating the mentality that he is limited. Because in the desert, your limitations are made very clear very quickly. It's hard to get food. Food is scarce. Water is scarce. Everything is just so gigantic in the desert. 
you're constantly reminded of how small you yourself are when compared to everything else. John knows that he himself is not the center of his own existence. And so this place of limitation that reminds him of his limitations, this quiet place without distraction, where there's the constant recognition that I am limited and I can't be self-reliant if I'm going to survive. This is the mentality that I think we're called to during Advent as we prepare ourselves to receive the Lord Jesus. I myself am not capable of saving myself. John's central message, repent, turn away from your sins and believe the gospel. I am a sinner. I commit many sins on a daily basis, things that hurt me and hurt other people and even hurt God. And I have to admit that I am a sinner if I am able to receive a Savior. I am not capable of holding everything together, the illusion of King Herod. Herod was very anxious and paranoid and depressed. That's how we get when we fall into this illusion that I am in control of my own life and reality. I have a role in my own life, of course. I have choices that I have to make, but ultimately God is in control. We're called to not live in fear, but in faith and reliance on God, not to make our decisions out of fear of holding everything together. John's not under that illusion. He recognizes that in a very sober-minded way, he is not in charge of his own existence. Neither are we. Jesus, we ask you to help us to be sober-minded about reality. Help us to really see, as John did, our own limitations, our incapacity to save ourselves, our own weaknesses. Help us to be in touch with those things, Lord. Not to dwell on them, in a negative way, but so as to recognize the reality and allow you to take care of us and be our Savior and be our Messiah. Free us from the anxiety and the depression that come from trying to control everything in our lives. Help us to not be self-reliant And help us to live in reality, Lord. And help us to be really docile to the Holy Spirit this upcoming week. To receive the Spirit. And to just be okay in a very humble way with all the things that go wrong this upcoming week and that are going wrong right now. And allow us to allow you to be our Savior, Lord. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Now let's just take a few moments in silence to listen to and speak with the Lord in our hearts.